Hi, this is Brian Woods, the head coach of FC Monmouth, and you are listening to the FC Monmouth Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number six of the FC Monmouth Podcast, a special state of the team edition with the head coach of FC Monmouth, Brian Woods. We're joined again by Evan McMurtry, Joey DiCamillo, and of course, Brian Woods, we're in the MTV Cribs edition of the podcast. We're back uh, in the lovely studio that we have here in Robbinsville of Coach Woods' apartment. Coach, first of all, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I'm glad you guys were able to make it here back to Robbinsville and uh, happy to be here right now. So, Coach, we, we touched on it on the last podcast. Uh, a thrilling week for FC Monmouth last week. That's all your team come away with four points in two matches The First being a match last Wednesday uh, where your team went down to Egg Harbor to play at Atlantic City in a game that was prolonged by a three-hour rain delay. You were able to get a goal in the first half and then come out of that three-hour rain delay in the 71st minute and be able to kind of clamp down on Atlantic City and hold on for your second shutout in three games to begin the season uh, coming out of that match, how did you feel uh, about the team's performance and everything going into that night and everything around it? You know, the performance of the team probably was secondary to the mindset of the team for me. Um, I thought we did a great job of keeping our heads uh, through the course of a lot of adversity, playing against a team that has monumental changes from last year who I thought was one of the best teams we're going to see uh, this year in the, in the conference. Um, and I thought that their mindset was great. I thought their mindset during the course of the adversity, whether it would be the physical nature of the match or the the rain delay, which the three-hour rain delay is something I've never been a part of in my entire coaching career, uh, for those guys to be able to come out with the same intensity, if not even greater intensity, if you really want to know the truth. I thought that some of the guys, led by Zach Pereira, uh, came out with an unbelievable uh, mindset in that in the last 20 minutes and, and helped us with, you know, gain that victory. So. Uh, from the, like, off-the-field perspective of sitting there for three hours, like you said, never experienced that in your coaching career, do you – is there a uh, like a bonding element to that, you know, off the field, morale-wise? Do you value that? I thought that? there was. You know, I, I kept tabs on it somewhat, what was being said, and, you know, having a guy like Dylan Fogarty on the team that kind of keeps the team a little bit looser because he's a little bit um, – I don't want to sound make this sound like, a, you know, he's crazy, but he's crazy. Um, <laughs> and he um, – you know, he has a little bit of he has a little bit of uh, you know personality. Uh, Zach Pereira has a little bit of a personality. Some of those guys that you know weren't real, didn't really know what to do or who to talk to. Those guys bring everybody together. They gather around them and they they just talk stupid stuff. And most of the time, it's pretty stupid for eighteen to twenty two year olds. But in any respect, it helped us uh, get through that three hours and um, step on the field with a renewed energy that I was I was really happy about. So then as a coach, you mentioned you've never experienced something like this. So having to kind of adapt to it on the fly, how did you kind of approach it from a, a coach's perspective? Now, we we have dealt I've dealt with it in shorter bursts uh, in the course of my coaching career. So we got them together three times. We had three team meetings all three times. I, I tried to explain to them what the situation was going to be. I thought they responded to me uh, very well, uh, responded to Peter very well, and um, 
you know, we kept track of everything. And John uh, Killick, our our kit man, did a great job of uh, just keeping us hydrated. We had enough water. We did everything we were supposed to do. And I, it was it was a team effort all the way around. And I was happy with with the result. One thing that we talked about on the last podcast was your team's defense in the early parts of the season, and especially in that Atlantic City game to where they had 14 shots in the game and only two of them were on target in the direction of Jake Leahy. Especially from your back line and, and that game specifically, what kind of impact have they had uh, on this team so far in 2019? You know, I, first, we did get kind of lucky in that match. Um, some of those shots that they took probably – the kid Francois he doesn't miss many shots at all and he probably will never miss the two sitters that he had that he missed on that day um so we kind of were lucky with that we're a little bit lucky with the penalty kick that we gave up uh late in the in, well late in the second half we gave up that penalty kick that they missed uh the kid Hendrickson I've never seen him miss a shot let alone a penalty kick so you know that was kind of lucky so we'll, we'll take those breaks and I thought we deserved the breaks because we worked as hard as we did and um <laughs> But, you know, going into the season, I thought our back line was going to be our strength. I was happy about the back line. I think I, we even talked about it in the first podcast I was on, and size, the strength, their athleticism. And um, I'm happy so far with what we've done, but we've got to get better. Uh, you know, we've, we've given up some things late in matches this year that we shouldn't have. And um, in order for us to clean things up and, and move on through the conference, we're going to have to tighten things up late in the match. I mean, you know, knowing the sturdiness of our back line as it stands. Um, very good word, Joey. Sturdiness. <laughs> Go ahead. Shifting, uh, shifting to the front part of the field there, um, do you feel like it's a goal or a very uh, obtainable goal for FC Monmouth to be kind of considered as threatening, um, you know, on the score sheet as we kind of maybe had viewed Atlantic City or even Lone Star? No. No, we don't, we don't have that attacking prowess yet, and I don't think that anybody's that – as concerned, you know, we're playing those guys that we played against with with uh, against AC and against Lone Star. Those are seasoned veterans. You know, the kid, the kid, the guy that played up front for Lone Star spent four years in Sweden in the first division. He's he's a proven goal scorer. He was the goal. He was the leading goal scorer in Sweden's first division. He was, you know, he was somebody that we we don't have those guys. You know, we have two college guys, and you know, and. Martin and, and Rexon do a great job for us. Their pace, their unbelievable um, ability to break down the defense, especially on the counterattack, is, is all well and good, but we're not playing with seasoned professionals like they are. And the same thing with, with Francois, um, you know, the, the kid from – I keep saying kid. The, the, the player from, from AC is a fantastic player. I thought Venezia did a great job. Andrew Venezia did a great job on him all night, and uh, we were able to hold them at bay, but – that's not easy to do, um, and um, it'll be time. You know, I I'm not saying that our attack is is terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but we're talking about seasoned professionals versus college guys, sophomore college guys, no less. They're not like even seniors, so I think they're going to be fine. Uh, you know, we're just going to keep building on what we do, and and hopefully they're going to start finding the back of net even more than they are now. So shifting focus a little bit from Wednesday's match into Saturday to be able to take those three points and that win and, and all that atmosphere Wednesday night, do you think in many ways your team was able to parlay that into a, a game against a very tough opponent at home Saturday in Lone Star? Um, I just think that they uh, – again, I bring this up all the time. 
everything goes back to last year's team and how they came together and they cared about the, putting on the uniform and the badge. And, you know, even being in our kind of makeshift locker room is is kind of when you sit there with them, you realize that they're starting to come together, they're starting to be something. And it's exciting for me to see when they start talking to one another and they start understanding how, what the team's all about and then they start seeing the fans and they go out and they walk out into the middle of the field. It's not like a lot of the other places that we play at, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a different atmosphere and I think that they, they love it and that's why we got the players we – we were able to attract this year because uh, they, they love the atmosphere that we play in. So, so one thing I, I did want to touch on was the atmosphere from Saturday and, of course, all throughout your tenure as the head coach of FC Monmouth, which is something that a lot of people have come up to us, at least, and noted is the atmosphere in coming to the games and, you know, the off-field entertainment, the on-field <coughs> product, excuse me, and the crowd itself as well. So to be able to sit there and say that, you know, you have that undefeated record at home of five wins and seven matches with the two ties as well, uh, obviously it's cliche to say, but in many ways, does you and your team kind of feed off of that when you come in, uh, for of the course day in the office? Off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that, that goes on is that the, the guys care about it and, and they care about it because we all as a coaching staff and as the, the support staff, everybody cares because people, when they come into the stadium are there to see you. You're not playing to an empty stadium. You're not playing to, you know, 10, 15 people. You're playing to a crowd. And um, and you don't want to let the crowd down. And that's how I feel when I coach, and that's how the guys feel when they play, is that you don't want to let the ownership down, obviously, because they've put so much into it. And you don't want to let the, the fans down who, who are coming there to support you. So I, I think that that helps us in a, in a, a great deal. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why – we're able to be so um, – well, I shouldn't say we're, we're so good. We're, I mean, we're, we're good at home. I won't want to put, go overboard where we're just unbelievable because somebody's going to come in and beat us one day, and then we're going to have the conversation, oh, you lost that game, how that happened. Happens, you know, so – but right now we're, we're happy where we're at. Honestly, I'm curious to hear what you think. Um, personally, I honestly think that that influence from what the players get out of home games kind of carries into – everything as well I think away matches too I feel like I can kind of get the sense in the guys that even though we're away you know the thoughts of bringing back a good result to home is kind of still in everyone's mind like I feel like the impact of the the home crowd like lives within everybody and it's always kind of on their mind would you agree with that in any in any sense yeah like I said they they don't want to let people down you know, just the podcast that we do, the the amount of social media that is out there. That you know, people know who these guys are, and they they have exposure to the outside world, is even more than maybe their college teams, and um, they feel it. They they kind of respect that fact that they're they're being put out there in a, a more professional atmosphere in a more professional way, and they wanted you know they don't want to let people down, and um, you know. It's been a it's been a good year and a half so far, uh, as far as the the club goes. But you know we have a a long way to go, and we have a long way to go this year alone. And um, I don't want to get carried away with anything that I say here because I respect our conference. Got to be the hardest conference in the MPSL. There's no doubt about it. So as much as we talk about all the positives right now and everything that's going on, we want to make sure that we keep grounded and we keep our head into it. And we know that coming up, 
even though we had some very tough games, we got some very, very tough games coming up. So, so you mentioned the, the long road ahead for your team. Uh, that functions both literally and figuratively. Of course, your next two games being in eastern Pennsylvania on the road. Uh, this being a stretch where your team is in the middle of a stretch of four out of five on the road. How have you coming into at least over half of the stretch gone by here and now the back half of it on the road? How have you as a coach been approaching this uh, being away from home where we've talked about earlier on the podcast where you have that record and then go on the road and, you know, still keep that same consistency uh, week in and week out with this big stretch? Now, it's been hard preparation right now because the weather that we've had here in Jersey has been terrible. So preparation's been a little bit off in my mind, but I just – what I have to do is just be more prepared than – the team even the, our team is but more prepared than anybody else and uh go back to the game that we lost against copa the 5-1 game and where preparation i thought was at a high and then they add a few extra people you know pieces uh, especially attacking options in that game and we weren't prepared for it i need to be up on everything and have everybody prepared this week going into this very important game, and all of them are important. I, I shouldn't even say very important because every game is very important uh, in this league. But going into the Hershey game, we just have to be more prepared than we've probably ever been before. So. Uh, speaking of preparations, this is something I think I've wanted to um, you know shed light on for uh, you know any any listeners and and fans of uh, you know the sport and how much effort goes into it behind the scenes. But um, could you, without revealing anything um, you know sensitive, kind of pull the curtain back a little bit on how much work that you really do behind the scenes when you, you know, we, the players and the staff, we see you show up to training and at the games and you have a, a wealth of knowledge uh, to disperse onto the players about the game plan and what you're going to do. But I know that there must have been, you know, hours on your end uh, put into that. I just want to know, you know, what, what goes into it for I you. I wouldn't say hours, Joe. I mean, it's just, you know, I've been <laughs> doing too much this. credit there. Yeah, too much, too much. I'm not, it's not, I'm not, doing brain surgery it's just soccer game so I mean, uh, what I do is it, the same as I do for a game at William Patterson it's just a scouting report and just knowing what we're up against you know the other day was uh, convenient that uh, AC happened to play Hershey so I have a little bit better scouting report I've seen Hershey now twice and but the first time when they played Copa uh, didn't have all their pieces but you drove so to that system. game to yes. see them. So, so. That, that's that's work right there. I mean, we're talking about a coach here coming, coaching a full MPSL match immediately uh, after his duties are obliged. It's not, it's a, let's not say it. We have people there watching. Sure. And it, it's a, it just makes sure that we do our due diligence and know that what we're getting up we're up against. Whether it works or not, our game plan or it's more of the adjustments we make in game than anything else. If you see Coach LeBrock and I and Peter, my brother on on Saturday, and even John Killick, you know, giving, you know, input into what goes on and how it goes on, who we're, who we're replacing here, we don't replace, do we replace, do we switch a position? All those things are what goes is more important than even the game plan itself. We just have to be able to make adjustments on the fly and be able to compete as best we possibly can after that. So it, pulling the curtain back, I'd love to tell you it's, you know, it's it's crazy the amount of uh, stuff we do, but it's really just taking what I do for most matches, you know, and whether, you know, I do scouting reports for match fit games. I do scouting reports all the time for William Patterson. Every William Patterson match, it's the same thing that I do for here. So, 
So you talked about kind of the there's still a long road ahead with it being almost a halfway mark of the season. What do you see as kind of some of the challenges or some of the things that your team has to face through the back half of the schedule? Of course, we talked about the teams early on, but maybe what are some things that you as a staff or, or you as a team are going to be preparing for for the rest of the, the season as a you whole? You know, I, I, it's not what I prepare for the whole season. You know, our stretch of matches that we have left are – are ridiculous how hard they're going to be you know right now and I sound like every other coach cliche as it is it's one game at a time if we if I overlook or don't do my due diligence for Saturday's game if the team overlooks and doesn't do their due diligence for Saturday's game those games down the road might not matter and and that in a 10 game season that's what these guys have to understand I think they do is that every kick of the ball matters and and that's that I can't worry about the last three games or the last four games or I got to worry about Saturday's match and that's it so one thing I did want to ask before we kind of sign off with something a directive from Saturday's contest uh, one thing that we talked about on the previous podcast was the efficiency of the shots that your team was putting on that uh, and we talked about it I guess with you after a couple post games throughout the course of the early year of just the amount of chances your team creates. And it kind of showed, at least in our opinion, from Saturday with 12 of the 15 shots that your team had being on the direction of the Lone Star net. So at least from the early parts of the season and specifically that game as well, what did you like from your team's uh, attacking front? Um, I just think that we our, our pace that we have up front kind of stretches – the other team and, and gives us opportunities to play in the midfield. Our, our two central midfielders, we didn't have Nibsy this this game, and uh, and I thought Dylan Fogarty did a great job uh, coming in. He was he was lively, he was aggressive to the ball. He was able to 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 uh, beat out guys that were a head taller than him for for head balls, second balls, and and I and that part partly is just his nature, but. Um, I guess maybe he stood out more than anything else, even though Sammy scored the goal. And I thought Ravito had his best game for us that day. Um, you know, the shot that Hawkins took to get us the goal um, was something out of, you know, that we expect from him and we, we hope we can get more of. But it's really because those two guys up front stretch the field so much that they have to put so much energy into marking those two guys that gives us a little bit more room in the midfield. And, and that's what we, we, we like about what's going on. So no, We felt very similar about Fogarty's performance. Uh, it was, it was, that's good, Joey. Thank you. It was very, <laughs> very eye-catching for us there. Um, we also thought uh, that Mc, uh, Dylan McDonald had a very uh, big game there. Yeah. Any thoughts I on mean, his performance? I, I think Dylan's done a great job. You know, I get to talk to his his college coach at Syracuse all the time, you know, because he's going to be the starting center back in, a, in the ACC next year in a, co- in a conference, college conference that's as close to professional as you can get. And, you know, right now he's doing everything he can to, to be one of the best center backs in the ACC. And I think right now he's proven that he can, he can step up and play against some of the best competition. He's not going to see – I mean, in the ACC, you do see a lot of guys that he's been up against, Francois and, and the guy Allison for, for Lone Star. But this has prepared him or is going to prepare him even more when we get to some of the other teams on how he handles some of those bigger names. So I, I thought he did great, and I just hope that he continues what he's doing. Building off of that, too, when we spoke with Dylan after the match, um, you know, because obviously 
Al- Anthony Allison was a was a task for the whole back four to deal with. Um, we sing- we singled out McDonald as the man of the match because it felt like you know he was he ended up put- getting himself in one on one situations with Allison pretty often. Um, so that's why we ended up choosing him. But when we asked him, he was quick to say. It was a collective effort from the back four. I mean, he didn't even want to give credit to himself. He immediately spoke about the other guys. I mean, if you talk to him, he's probably the most humble kid you'll ever see in your entire life. Probably one of the nicest kids, too, which is half his problem. He's too nice sometimes. You know, (laughs) I need him to be a little bit more, have a little bit more edge sometimes. But, um, you know, Allison came off the 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 back line and and played in the hole between the midfield and the, and the forwards and he was able to of uh, midfielder and the backs he was playing in that gap there and and he was able to see it he was a lot of times he was able to jump the pass he was able to get in and not let him turn he was able to win balls in the air because Allison is a great great player in the air and uh, we saw that last year when we played against them and uh, you know all those things combined are great. But it is because of Fonseca um, and Venezia and obviously Zach Pereira, who, you know, a lot of people don't talk about him. And I you know, I have talked about him. He is our captain. And he is – he just never – he's relentless. Yeah, he's literally relentless. And he won't let those younger guys, because they're all younger than him, believe it or not, uh, he won't let them get down on themselves and he won't let them fail. And um, as much as Dylan has been great – it is the support of those guys and and Zach that that has carried a carried us this far so far. Yeah, just touching on Pereira really quickly too. I mean, what what an incredible guy to have as our captain, and we've spoken to him after games a couple times this season, gotten his input. I mean, he's he's really been a great guy. It's been great to have him back for another season, and uh, I don't know. I think maybe we can we should be having him on one of these next podcasts. Yeah, I, I, you know him. You know the other guy that wasn't there the other day that helps us is a, another older guy is is Nibsy. Um, you know, it would have been a little bit easier uh, just cleaning up stuff. But, I, again, Dylan did a great job with with, with that role. But, um, you know, those guys, the older guys on the team have really helped us solidify things, kept us moving forward. And uh, I hope that – I hope it carries on. I don't want to sound – make it sound like we've, you know, hit the pinnacle and we're going to go on. You know, this is, this is just the beginning for us. And be 2-1-1 one, one right now, you know, we could be – 0-4 right now, or, you know, we could have won two more games. I don't know, you know. But uh, one of the owners said to me the other day, he thinks one of the biggest things that happened was the, the 5-1 loss to Copa, and that kind of brought the team together. Maybe. But right now, I, I just like the fact that they care about it, and hopefully we continue on Saturday. It'll be a good one on Saturday. Coach, thank you for, as always, coming on with us. It was a great time, great afternoon here. Uh, in Robbinsville. So um, thank you again. We thank, really appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me, as always. And, uh, you know, we'll do this again sometime soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. We, uh, we'll be back next week, the three of us, to talk about the match against Hershey and also preview the Electric City match. Again, it's the back half of a four or five stretch on the road for FC Monmouth. So that game against Hershey Saturday at 6 p.m. Follow along on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for live updates and pre- and post-match content. Also find all of our stuff on our website as well, fcmonmouth.com. So for Joey, Evan, and Coach Woods, my name is Matt DeLuca. We will see you next week on the FC Monmouth podcast.